Hello, I'm Eagle, Eagle Gardens, Eagle Gardens 1 on Instagram, and this is Fucking Talking Shit with Eagle, episode 271. Have an amazing kickoff to your weekend, a very, very special guest in the house tonight, Mr. Danny Danko, feeling like Christmas twice this year. How are you doing today? You want to tell us how you're doing and, uh, of course, where we can find you? Yeah, I'm doing great. Uh, you can find me... Uh, online and social media uh at danny danko ht on on uh, instagram and uh, i've been working on a magazine called northeast leaf magazine at northeast leaf mag podcast called grow bud yourself at grow bud yourself and uh yeah we got a grow book on amazon that's what i've been up to and uh yeah it's been a tough year and uh but actually, these new new things happened for me this year, so it's it's actually been pretty exciting for me, just in, you know, in launching sort of an independent cannabis production. Congratulations on that, man! Talk about you know kicking the ball right out of the park, you know, first chance out. Congratulations on the podcast; it's been doing very well. And uh, yeah, yeah, you know. I appreciate it. You know, I mean, it's not. Uh, it's independent. So, you know, uh, the magazine and the podcast are both, you know, fairly independent. There's no corporate backing or anything like that. So it's tough, you know, I mean, you, you want, you want to get as many listeners as possible as, you know, you want sponsors that you believe in and, and trust to hook people up with. And same with the magazine, we want advertisers in the magazine. We want distributors, people that want to contribute all that. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a struggle, but it's, it's, nice to have these deadlines you know the weekly deadline of the podcast and the monthly deadline of the magazine really gave me some structure at a time when things can easily fall apart you know well some of the it is nice though not having uh, some of the corporate backing it does give you a little bit more freedom you know to do what you want uh, with your own platform which yeah. is nice i'm sure yeah, absolutely. I mean, and the fact that both of the platforms are free to the consumer. I mean, anybody can read the magazines for free online. You can pick up the magazine for free in the Northeast U.S. at your local dispensary or smoke shop. And the podcast, too. You can listen for free. You know, we charge the advertisers to reach you. But if you want it, want the information, it's free. And I got to say, cannabis has always been a lifesaver for me in, you know, in my life. But particularly in this past you know, nine to 10 month period since, you know, March or so, it's just been essential, just like it's been deemed essential. And it's been vital for me in being able to deal with uh, the, all the different changes that we've had to accommodate uh, with this year and everything. So I gotta say, it's just been an honor to be uh, a servant to the plant and, and uh, a spokesman for the plant and just spreading the word because it's a healing plant. It's helping. It's essential. And I think over more over a longer period of time, we're going to look back and say, you know, we were wrong for 70 something years about this plant. And there was a lot of misinformation and a lot of unnecessary suffering that occurred during this dark, you know, prohibition time. I think that day's almost here for sure. I almost... I really believe that day is just about here. I couldn't be any more thankful. And much thanks to you. I mean, you've helped push this day forward just as much as anybody else has. That's for sure. 
You know, you've helped open up, up a lot of people's eyes of some of the unjust uh, wrongs that's been done towards cannabis and some of the people that's uh, fought for it and wrongly persecuted. You know, we owe, we owe a lot to your journey in cannabis and your dedication to this plant. So from, you know, for me, myself, thank you for everything you put into this plant. And I appreciate that. That's awesome. And, you know, like I said, we've come a long way. We got a long way to go. I'm just one of the people, there are plenty that came before me and plenty that will come after that have dedicated their life to spreading a word about this plant. And, you know, I just, uh, you know, I really appreciate all the kudos, but we've had a good time doing it too. That's the other thing. It's like every cannabis cup, every champs trade show, every Hawaii expo, every time I get together with people, we may, we may not have a lot in common even language, uh, political views, all kinds of things that we don't share, but we share cannabis and it's not partisan. It's not, it has nothing to do with, you know, your individual culture. Anywhere in the world, you can go and make a friend with, with cannabis. And I think that's, that's the important thing too, is that it's universal, you know, and it's not for everybody, but it certainly doesn't need to be maligned and criminalized and all the things that have happened and only in the last 80 something years you know i mean before that it was medicine for thousands of years and there's hash cultures that have been making hash for thousands and thousands of years so the people before that time knew and people after this time will know and and we'll look back on this weird you know 1930s to 1990 you know or 2000 whatever as just a, a real stain on us as as you know, a society and humanity that we imprison this plant and that we imprison the people who love it. You know, one of the great things about this plant is that, uh, you know, that you can grow it yourself. And there's people like yourself out there teaching people to grow it themselves, you know. Uh, hopefully at some point we can take it back from uh, the big money that actually helped, you know, suppress it for so long i hope before they get a chance to get their claws back into it you know they spent all that money demonizing it and hopefully we can get a hold of it before they can sink their claws back into it and start making money off of what they demonized so long ago indeed yes and growing it is a political act whether people view it that way or not every every gram that you produce in your home is a gram someone that you don't have to purchase at a dispensary or in the traditional marketplace or anywhere else, you've created it out of thin air, uh, modern day alchemy, where you've taken air and light and water and seeds and created medicine and for the soul. And I think it's a, it's a political act, even if you're profiting off it, it's a political act, even if you're just doing it for your own personal reasons, it's a political act every time you give it to a medical patient that needs it and it's, just uh, like you said, it's a way of of honoring the plant without necessarily the corporate interests that are jumping in now uh, that it's legal and, and they want to make money. So uh, it's been an incredible year as far as, you know, cannabis goes. A lot of states have, you know, finally turned the key and let 
let the beast loose in their state. Is there uh, anywhere that you're in particular excited about that uh, it once was a red state earlier this year and now uh, the door is open? I mean, certainly Oklahoma is uh, incredible in what they've been able to accomplish in just a short period of time. I think what they did was they made the barriers to entry into the business very low. And what that means is a lot of people are going to jump into the business. But I think ultimately, you know, the, the cream will rise to the top and the best cannabis at the best price is going to be what survives that. But it's amazing to see it in a place like Oklahoma, where just a few years ago, you could have gotten life in prison for cultivation of cannabis. And now you can become a millionaire, you know, and, and again, there's nothing wrong with making money from, from the plant. It's just that uh, you got to be in it for the right reasons. And part of that is just to honor the plant as a medicine and as a healing flower and not just a commodity to be, you know, to put a number on and sell to people. I think we've lost sight of that a little bit. And I think it's important that we go back to understanding that uh, it's a flower. And the reason this flower cost, you know, $300 an ounce 10 years ago is because of the risk that it took to produce it and the risk that it took just to have it on your person. And, you know, without that risk, the price drops dramatically and makes it much more accessible to patients, connoisseurs, aficionados, and those that grow their own are growing it for pennies. I'm most excited about Oklahoma myself is, uh, that sweet, sweet unlimited plant count. I just, every time I think about that, I think about, you know, the goodness that could possibly be unlocked because of that one in particular law right there. I mean, there could be some some great, great pheno hunts coming out of Oklahoma there. When I look to the next best thing, I can't help but look in that direction just because of that that reason right there. Uh, they definitely are going to hold a, a slight advantage just because of that right there. Yeah, yeah. And very quickly, it's become the new frontier. I mean, people are moving from Oregon, California, Colorado, all to Oklahoma to do to be in the cannabis business. And if you'd have told me that even two years ago, I would have thought it was absurd. So that's pretty amazing. You know, we've come a long way. But other states, you know, Louisiana, Mississippi, there's states you you wouldn't think would be you know this far along and they're passing laws as well just in just recently in new jersey that law passed as well here you know just across the river from where i am and that's exciting as well all the changes here in the northeast for me particularly because it's where i'm from and it's what i report on in the magazine as well uh, and i think it's great that we have a, a a bit of a foothold in the region before things just become completely legal because we can help to be a voice for the consumer, for the patient, and for the ultimately the grower, anyone, you know, producers of cannabis and, and lovers of cannabis. So tell me a little bit about a little bit more about the podcast. I mean, we briefly discussed it, but uh, when can we look for it? What days uh, are you live over there? Yeah, it typically drops Fridays. So we just dropped an episode today, every week. Uh, so it's a weekly show. We're on our 34th episode. Just dropped one today with Dr. Mitch Earlywine. 
And it's an extension of my previous podcast, which was Free Lead from Danny Danko, which I did when I was at High Times. That went from 2011 to 2018. And it was, it was fun. It was, we had a blast and we interviewed some people. I'm very proud of a lot of those shows. And it's just great to continue that tradition with this new show uh, called Grow Bud Yourself. It's really about cultivation. It's about uh, cannabis in general, really, but you know, with a focus on cultivation. So that's where the show is coming from. And people can check that out online and at growbudyourself.com. We're just, we love to, it's always been my pleasure to teach people how to grow. I've done countless seminars and classes and articles and books and things just because I think it's important that people understand that cultivating your own cannabis is the best way and the cheapest way and the funnest way to make it yourself. You have had some great guests over there. Uh, you want to throw out some teasers, uh, you know, who we might be able to catalog in some of them past shows? Yeah, I mean, gosh, on the old Free Weed show, we had, I, I tried to have a little bit of every everybody from the industry. I mean, people who've passed away, some cool numerous times, uh, Dr. Lester Grinspoon, we had on. Uh, I've always had the pleasure of having uh, people who, who've been there before me as well. DJ Short, uh, Robert Connell Clark, Ed Rosenthal, Kyle Cushman is a guest we've had a, a million times. And, you know, people from policy as well. Uh, Alan St. Pierre, Keith Strop from Normal. People, we had Cheech uh, and Chong on the show. We've had uh, rappers, Currency, and all, you know, a bunch of different people who just support cannabis uh, and you know, we've had comedians, Rob Cantrell. Uh, it, it's just, a, it's it's so much fun. And uh, it's fun now to do it weekly. Before we had to kind of, I guess, you know, squeeze it in as something that we did on top of creating High Times magazines and all the other things that we were involved in, cannabis cups and, and all of that. And now to have the show be weekly and to have that deadline, it's exciting and it's just, it's fun. We've got some sponsors, we've got, uh, Patreon page that people check out and contribute to the show. So uh, just like you do your show, we do our show. There's so many great shows out there, Adam Dunn and uh, a bunch of other ones. And we're just happy to be part of that world and, and teach people how to grow and, and what what's so special about this amazing healing flower. So what are you, some of the things that uh, you see changing over there in the Northwest there? Or the Northeast, right? Northeast, you're in the East. Yeah, yeah, Northeast is, is changing like crazy. I mean, Massachusetts is off the hook. There is fully legal cannabis. <coughs> uh, people can go to a dispensary. All you have to do is be 21 or older, and you can go to a dispensary and purchase cannabis concentrates, edibles, topicals. RSO, uh, pretty much anything you want. And that's exciting. I take trips up there pretty often to cover different places. And there's places all throughout Massachusetts, but particularly in the Berkshires and Western Mass, where it's just beautiful farmland and incredible, just in a really beautiful part of the country. And so that's been amazing. 
just seeing Massachusetts, my home state where I, where I grew up, be like that. And, you know, the sky did not fall down. Nothing went crazy. Everyone, everything. And they're still in the process of changing the laws. And also, Massachusetts residents can home grow. It's not a ton of plants. I think it's six per person, 12 per household. But again, the limit's not on the, si- uh, the size of the plant. It's just the amount of plants. So you just veg them out a little longer and grow bigger plants. And, you know, it, there's ways to comply with it. So that's exciting. Maine is also fully rec now, which is exciting because there's so many great growers up there. Uh, and, you know, it's vacation land. So it's a wonderful place to visit. And it's good to know that you can purchase cannabis products all throughout Maine. Vermont, you know, when I was growing up in Massachusetts, Vermont was legendary, the Green Mountain State. That's where, you know, a lot of the older uh, hippie growers were, were doing a great job of cultivating under really tough circumstances. So that's great. Uh, New Jersey, New York, Connecticut, Rhode Island, all these states are, the laws are changing very rapidly. New Jersey just changed. Uh, that's going to be implemented, I believe, very soon, maybe January of 2021. And New York won't won't be too long to follow after that. Connecticut, for sure, you know, stuck between New York and Massachusetts. They're going to want to have legal as well. And so, and then New Hampshire, that's kind of the last holdout, which is crazy because their policy is live free or die. And they're very kind of anti-government. They don't want... Uh, you know, the federal government or the state government really messing with their lifestyles. And yet cannabis, out of all the states that we covered, New Hampshire's the the, the strictest one at the moment, which is strange. They're surrounded on all sides. They have Vermont, Maine, Massachusetts, and Canada. They're surrounded by legal cannabis and yet they don't have it. Sasha, go to your room, close the door. So what are uh, how was the harvest over there this year? I mean, how was the grow over there on on the East Coast? What did you see some uh, impressive grows over there this this year? Yeah, I mean, I feel like people had a pretty good year this year. It's tough, you know. This is the Northeast. This is where the you know the Puritans first arrived on the shores and discovered how to even grow crops at the time here from the Native Americans who were already here. So that's when they learned to bury fish in the, in the soil and things like that from the natives who taught them how to grow corn and different things to survive. Of course, they stole the corn and killed the natives. And there was a whole, uh, a, lot, a long story there. But the, the soil in New England is rocky. It's a tough place. The, the climate is tough. You can't really grow long flowering sativas unless you have a climate controlled greenhouse, which I've seen people uh, do successfully but it's a tough it's tough in the fall things get really moist you get problems with powdery mildew bud rot uh, uh, pythium things that you know that hurt your plants and so people adapt they have greenhouses with supplemental lighting and light deprivation where maybe they start the flowering period a little earlier so they finish a little sooner they grow sometimes auto flowering plants or short flowering in indicas, indica dominant strains. But this season was great. And I think people are really dialing in how to grow in this environment. And that's a tough thing because it's very different to grow here than it is in Arizona or 
Southern California or Colorado or Michigan. The, the climates are different, the humidity, the temperatures, everything. So you really have to dial it in for your own region, find strains that are specific to your region and figure out you know, how to grow them to their best potential. You know, you've mentioned a couple of things there that I've kind of been talking about a little bit lately, and that's uh, auto flowers and growing uh, strains particular to your region. I, I think that's going to be something that's critical as we go forth here growing cannabis in the United States. I never really considered it up until the thought of Oklahoma there and uh, the thought of, you know, the, the tornado belly of the United States there, you know, once starts to grow there, a lot of money could be lost. We start trying to grow photos there. Uh, so a lot of revenue could be lost. A lot of guys could be taken out. And I think that's where, you know, auto flowers, will, once we come into learning to grow with certain things in, you know, certain area regions there, I think they may have to be like an auto flower outdoors there in Oklahoma. They may have to learn to to work around the tornado season just for their safety, you know, their livelihood, you know, grow up to and then replant and grow away from <laughs> the tornado season there. And, you know, same thing with down in Florida. They try to grow out grow outdoors there i think that may be an issue there come hurricane season there they may just have to do a few seasons of autos down there to survive outdoors you know any of course anything can be achieved indoors but you know everybody wants to utilize that sun wherever possible that's for sure absolutely and you know autoflowers have had sort of got a bad reputation because the first few ones that came out early on had a diminished potency level, but the reality is that they're they're pretty good now, and they've been dialed in pretty pretty well. And the other thing is, is if you're a connoisseur flower person, you know maybe you go with regulars or, or feminized. But if you're going to be making hash or edibles or you know oil distillate or anything like that, there's certainly nothing wrong with doing that out of auto flowers because you're concentrating the product at that point as well. So. Uh, I think there's definitely a place for autoflowers. I think it's important for people that are in high altitudes or places with very short growing seasons. And there's nothing wrong with it. And, you know, people like, you know, experts, expert growers like to poo-poo autos, feminized, all of these innovations that have happened in breeding. But the reality is, is there's a place for these things. You know, there's a home, there's a place where someone needs to grow them. So, I, I just think you know it's it's very easy to look at these things and say, oh, you know, that's manipulation or that's you're diluting the gene pool. But the reality is, as long as there's still a, a certain potency and the essential oils are there, the, the terpenoids, the flavonoids, and the cannabinoids, there's lots of different ways to grow this plant. Not no one way is is the perfect right way. So, uh, tell us a little bit how the magazine came into uh, play there. I mean, when I talked to you last, that wasn't, uh, I don't believe, on the agenda quite yet. Uh, how did that come about? Yeah, so basically, uh, things with, with High Times came to an end around March, April of this year. 
they moved offices to California and they shut down the New York office where they had been for the past 45 or so years. And they moved operations over there. And my, my job got less and less. You know, I started working sort of part-time. Then uh, as COVID hit, it became, you know, a, you know uh, what do you call that? Uh, the lay, not layoffs, but I guess layoffs. Yeah, the furloughs that they, they did furloughs for, for some of the employees. And during that time, that's when I started up the podcast. And I was, you know, thinking, you know, I'd love to get back into the cannabis magazine world, print world. And lo and behold, the Northwest Leaf team, who, you know, it's called Leaf Nation. They have magazines in Alaska. They have Alaska Leaf, California Leaf, Nevada Leaf, Oregon Leaf, and Northwest Leaf. And they've been doing this for 10 years. And it's a really interesting model. As I mentioned earlier, the magazines are giveaways. They're, they're just dropped off at dispensaries and given to customers or at head shops, and they're free. And we charge the advertisers to reach those customers. Very different from High Times, which was $7, you know, and you had to convince people to buy it when there's all this free information online and, and other free magazines that you're competing with. So it really, really gave me the, the freedom to think, hey, we could start a new magazine back here at home where my roots, and <laughs> no pun intended, where my roots are. I've always been in on the East Coast, basically, been either in Boston or New York City. And, you know, the, when they moved to the West Coast, I kept saying, you're going to need me out here on the East Coast because legalization is coming this way. And it is. And that's what's happened. And so when it comes to Northeast Leaf, uh, partnered up with the creators of Northwest Leaf, who've been doing that for years, Wes, uh, Mike Ricker, uh, there's a whole team over there that's incredible, including the uh, art director. If you look at the magazine, uh, our creative director is amazing and is able to put these really beautiful displays together with cannabis and concentrates and butt tender of the month and patient of the month and all these great columns and, and stories. So it's just exciting for me to be back home, you know, where my roots are in the Northeast as these things are all changing and to be able to be a voice of reason and a voice of science and knowledge on the cannabis situation. A lot of people out here are just getting hip to the fact that cannabis can help them in their lives. And now that it's legal, they're not afraid anymore and they're looking to improve their life. And if they're replacing alcohol, nicotine, uh, caffeine, or any of these harmful subject, uh, uh, you know, substances in their life with cannabis, they will add years to their life and make, make it more enjoyable. And people are figuring it out. They're using topicals and edibles and gummy, all this stuff. So we just want to help them out and let them know where the, the best dispensaries are, if, they, if that's what they choose to do, where the best concentrates are, who the local experts are, who may not be, you know, who they say they are, all of that. So just a voice for the East Coast cannabis movement. That's been exciting and fun. And the people I work with, they're just like you and me. They're stoners to the core, hardworking, uh, people who accomplished the tasks that they set out to do, but managed to consume cannabis along the way, you know, defying any sort of stereotypes and really just being the example of the, the 
conscious cannabis consumer, the adult user who appreciates this amazing plant for all its wonders and just wants to spread the word. So what are some of the uh, beautiful concentrates that you've seen uh, this year? Have you seen some that uh, really struck your fancy as uh, something in particular you like? I know you're a dabber. Last time I seen you, we uh, had a couple of dabs together. So have you seen something that uh, <laughs> that uh, has really hit your flavor profile this year? Yeah, I mean, there's so many great extract artists here in the Northeast um, company called Mammoth Inc., uh, Scooby Snacks. The live rosin has really been one of the things that I've gravitated towards more and more. Uh, BHO is nice, but it's, you know, unless it's really made perfectly and properly, it has a weird sort of aftertaste for me. I don't know, there's a, a little bit of residue sometimes when it's not made properly. So uh, live rosin has been amazing. So the LVBK live rosin has been great uh, from Basque, which is one of the companies here in Rhode Island. Uh, there's just, there's a huge amount of extract artists in the Northeast, in Maine, all the way down to where we are. And again, the live rosin has just been something that uh, I've been gravitating towards more and more because the flavors there you know that there was no solvents used and uh, it just tastes amazing and feels amazing. And, you know, that's where I've been, that's where I've been going for the most part when it comes to concentrates. Sasha, close that fucking door. Yeah. You got to love uh, the live rosin there. Is it more just because I find the live stuff's just more heady, more definitely on the sativa side just keeps me racing is that what you prefer about the live stuff yeah yeah i feel like the 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 older i get the more i want it to just be fresh and and live and give me that buzz without the couch lock feeling that i get sometimes if if it's uh you know kush bho or something like that just really knocks me out and with something like you know well-made live rosin i feel like it's it's a beautiful head high and motivational these days, I just want something that gets me excited to, to complete tasks and, and to enjoy what, what we can enjoy, you know, binge watching TV shows or, you know, catching a great movie, a nice sunset. They made it so easy to enjoy it, uh, a good dab like that anymore. You know, with some of these new devices, man, you can practically dab anywhere at any time. I mean, I don't have a puff code, but man, I I definitely appreciate them, man. That's for sure. And uh, but you can dab any anymore anywhere. I, I was I've been joking lately. I think it's a great idea. I don't think anybody's invented it yet, but. Uh, the, I know the new puff codes they've made all pretty much fit in like your cup holder in your car. And uh, I know a lot of people that keep theirs there. And what I've kind of come up with, but I haven't put it into fruition, but anybody that's got the means, go ahead and jump on this. Is uh, 
they need to make a, like a Puffco koozie, something like you just set over it, like another, like something that looks like another cup, like a McDonald's cup or a Starbucks cup, you know, where you just take that off, set it in the seat, hit your Puffco and put your koozie back over it so nobody's none the wiser there. I think that would be a, <laughs> a perfect like Christmas that. gift. I like that. Just, you know, like a McDonald's cup with a straw and you just pull on the straw and your puff goes hidden inside there, perfectly hidden. And uh, I guess you just have to figure out where you're going to blow out that vapor, <laughs> you know, but uh, that's discreet and a wonderful way. I have this. Uh, it's not even a sponsor or anything, that, um, but it's it's from Boundless and it's um, uh, called a turp pen. And it's great for just real quick, you know, you got your your jar of terps here, right? And uh, it you just, you know, it's got a heating element at the end and there you go. And when you don't have time to bust out, you know, the Puffco or a nice dab rig, this is great for just real quick, discreet use and uh, hit and run <laughs> as we used to call it. <laughs> It's nice too because I definitely enjoy the <clears throat> the concentrates, but in the past, you know, it's been, you know, the the torch, the rig, and all that was always the the downside of it for me. But now that they came up with such great portable units like that, uh, it's almost like why not? <laughs> why not these days? Oh yeah, yeah, and it's a different effect. It's a different buzz. You know, the whole thing is unique. And I, I've always been about uh, variety. You know, people, I, I like, I don't like to smoke the, strain, the same strain all the time. I don't like to consume it in the same way every time. I love edibles, topicals, concentrates, flowers, joints, one hitters, you know, even the occasional blunt, although less and less, obviously, because of the tobacco and the nicotine and all that. But to me, it's just about variety. Uh, as they say, it's the spice of life and cannabis is a wonderful spice. So it's just nice to, to use it in different ways. And, you know, I, I love traveling to other parts of the world and, and seeing what they have for strains or for how they consume also, because you just learn all different new techniques. That's for sure. Sure. Go to your you room. Know, and shut uh, your door right now. I understand. Go. I've been interviewing Rasta Bob there from Jamaica, and he's been a fun one to to interview. You talk about different ways to consume. You know, throughout the interview with him, he's uh he's pulling up this nice grown Jamaica flower, and he's just throwing it down on this cutting board and just chopping it up with this butcher knife like it's a salad it just you know hacking away the whole time and i'm like this is just great is it the chalice is it the chalice like the coconut chalice oh those are amazing those (laughs) yeah that's the rasta way you hit the chalice and uh yeah they just yeah get super super baked off of that sun-grown uh, tropical sativa that 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 cat that rasta shout out rasta bob 
great, great dude. He took me any longer on any show than any guest. I actually tapped out on him. And I'm not <laughs> one to tap out on an interview usually. He took me like eight hours, eight hours plus, and had smoked, completely smoked me out. And he was ready for a new, a, a, it was like the sun was coming up there and he had put me down. He was ready to go like rake the yard and, you know, do what he had to do. And I was like, wow. But, you know, one thing I did think was cool about, you know, the, the chalice thing was because when we were talking, we were talking about the act of smoking a, a joint there, you know, basically sharing the moment. So we were talking about kind of like the COVID, how it kind of put a hinder on, you know, smoking cannabis with friends because everybody was lighting up their own. And I thought that, you know, it really takes away because when you're, you're, you're kind of like breaking bread, you're sharing that moment with somebody. And basically, you know, to me, passing that joint is passing, sharing the moment, passing the moment with somebody. When you take that away, sit there and smoke your own, kind of takes away from that. And he's like, well, you know, we smoke our own, but when, you know, occasions like that, we, you know, we each have our own chalice and we just kind of pass, you know, pack this bowl. We, you know, we just kind of pass the bowl around and we just, I'm like, well, all right, that's, that's cool. Oh yeah. You're still enjoying the moment together there. So yeah, that still works, but you do, like that. Man. I mean, you've, I can't imagine how many different ways of consumption you've seen in your travels, man. You, You've been in some places, brother. You've been in some places. What's your favorite place to consume cannabis? What has been your favorite place to, uh, to enjoy wow. cannabis? That's a, that's a tough question. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is Hawaii, just because it's just a, such a beautiful place, um, really paradise on earth, a wonderful place to get high, uh, great vibration. You know, it just feels electric when you're in Hawaii and you catch a nice buzz and the waves are crashing and you know you go up into the mountains it's just beautiful it's a it's it's a place that's made to accommodate a cannabis buzz the plants are all so happy everywhere you look you know i i notice plants really closely just because of my connection with cannabis really brought me closer to all plants in a weird way when i'm at a friend's house and they haven't watered their plants i, I can almost hear the plant screaming to me like water me yeah, i ask them like do you mind if i just water your plants i can't just sit here and feel them suffering <laughs> and so but when you're in hawaii every plant is just so happy what you think of as a house plant that's tough to keep alive here in the northeast is thriving and six feet tall in hawaii and just in the perfect environment like it's in a greenhouse it just rains a little bit once a day and it's this rich volcanic soil that they have the plants are just all so happy and to me that makes me happy i feel that vibe coming from them and i gotta say hawaii although you know spain is a wonderful place to get high i you know when i was younger amsterdam was amazing it brought me to tears the first time i was in a coffee shop ordered cannabis from a menu sat down and had a coffee rolled a joint and smoked it with the bicycles going by the window and it just all felt so civilized and, and pure and beautiful. And the it, it really did make me emotional. And I thought, you know, this is the way it could be everywhere in the world. And there's no reason why it should, not one good reason. And 
just sitting there in, you know, we're talking about 1996 or something a long time ago and just sitting there where everything, everywhere else around the world, people are getting thrown in jail and having their dogs shot and all these crazy things that happened because of the war on drugs. And here I am in this one little oasis in Amsterdam in this coffee shop where it's not even legal, it's just tolerated. But I'm a customer and I'm not a criminal and I'm reading off a menu and not just you know at the mercy of whoever is selling me cannabis. And I don't know, it felt amazing. And so I gotta, I gotta give a shout out to that as well. That was the vibe that you know, we tried to recreate back home when we started doing cannabis cups at home or when people started opening dispensaries after prop 215 and it was it was that vibe and it's it's it, it spread all around the world but it hasn't really gotten better in holland and i think that's a shame because they're they pioneered it and i think they deserve to definitely reap the benefits of that So I know this is going to be a tough one. The cannabis community in general is amazing. But uh, ge- geographically, what has been, you know, one of the better cannabis communities that you've seen, where cannabis has been the most influential, you know what I mean? It's actually like a backbone there. Yeah. You know? Well, I would say the West Coast. Uh, particularly the Pacific Northwest from Northern California all the way up to, you know, Canada, Vancouver Island is one of those places where I, I, I can't imagine their economy without cannabis because it's such a big part of their community. It's really one of the things after logging and all the issues with logging that happened, you know, and, and that's the same way in Northern California. And I would say Oregon and Washington, those are places where generation after generation of people have grown cannabis. They've homesteaded, meaning they've showed up, you know, purchased a property, uh, which didn't even have a home on it, built, you know, maybe started with a tent or a mobile home, had a decent harvest, upgraded to a bigger home, maybe bought a truck, a tractor, and really created these places. Some of them very self-sustaining. I mean, they have their own mills to 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 mill wood, their own quarries to pull rocks out of, sometimes even rivers that they can pull water or even hydraulic dam up the river situations. So I think that's, you know, places like that that survived on cannabis are are really vital and crucial to our understanding of how important it can be to a place's economy. There's the, the Emerald Triangle is just legendary for this, but further out from that, southern oregon and and beyond it really is a a way of life and overseas i would say northern spain is like that as well uh where the basque country where everybody has a greenhouse everybody grows their own food and if they can they grow their own cannabis it's kind of the norcal of europe in some ways so those are those are two places that really stand out for me as where where cannabis is just vital to the economy and passed down generation to generation strains, techniques, land, and people have improved on that and created a situation where they can survive and live and expand and sometimes, you know, take a nice winter off in Costa Rica and come right back and start up in the spring. 
Well, that's the wonderful thing about the time that we're in right now is I'm hoping that uh, it's something that can be multi-generational here in Michigan, something that I can passion. I'm, I'm super passionate about the pet cannabis plant myself, but I would love to be able to see my kids, my daughters being able to do this, you know, if they choose in the future and maybe have them. You know, I was talking about that uh, with somebody the other day. Uh, we were talking about multi-generational farms. Wouldn't it be pretty awesome to have that sign out front? You know what I mean? As you drive down the country roads, you see them 100-year farm signs. Wouldn't it be awesome to see, you know, five generations being on a plot of land growing cannabis for 100 years? A 100-year cannabis farm? That would be amazing. I would love I'd be honored to be able to see something like that or, you know, be a part of that, set, set off that legacy here in Michigan. And I think we could do, you know, Michigan has a lot of pride in cannabis. I think we could be a, a close second to Cali as far as, you know, that kind of community there. We definitely have a strong love for the plant here. So I don't know. This yeah, Michigan Michigan is one of those places that really surprised me because I knew growing up and about uh, Hash Bash in Ann Arbor and John Sinclair. And I knew I knew that there was an activism angle, but I didn't realize how many cultivators there were. And, and when I finally got there, we, we did cannabis cups in, in Clio and Detroit and, and uh, all around, basically. And when I got there, I realized, wow this place has its own distinct cannabis culture, its own strains, growers who have been growing for long, long periods of time, particularly, you know, if you get out of the cities and go up to the UP or places like that, where there, there's a, a agricultural tradition. And the way to sustain something like that and, you, and to go a hundred years is to improve the soil year after year, you know, just add organic material, um, beneficial bacteria and microbes and just improve the soil, have a living soil. And then that way you, you, you are using less and less inputs, less bottled nutrients, less anything, and just let the soil do the work and let the roots enjoy that fresh, rich living earth that you just improve upon year after year. I think one of the things that cannabis taught me is, is improving the soil is the key to longevity for and the key to quality product and you know michigan farmers understand that for sure so has that been a surprise to you uh, how fast the organics movement has taken out taken over there and canvas there i mean it it seems like it you know a few years ago everybody was murmuring about it it was a small group basically and the ones that were talking organic about it were serious <laughs> you know what i mean if you fell into one of them chat rooms and you started talking salts you were likely to be banned <laughs> but uh man it, it didn't take long to convince a lot of people that uh organics definitely had its place here in cannabis it could be done uh efficiently yeah, I mean, I think it has to do with price as well. I think a lot of farmers are just motivated by how much it costs to produce their cannabis. And when you're selling it for 
three or four hundred dollars an ounce, you can afford to buy, you know, a 17 part salt system that's hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Uh, and each bottle could be 50 or 60 dollars. And when you when the price drops dramatically and you see, you know, under uh, legal markets or medical markets, the price dropping, that's when you think, how, how do I reduce my costs? And one of those ways is to improve the soil. Uh, less and less input, less and less salt. And uh, that really is a motivating factor, even beyond just the sustainability issues, which are important to some farmers, but not all farmers. Uh, the bottom line is, you know, I'm trying to survive. I'm trying to feed my family on this. And if you can do that organically and it costs less, that's all the more motivation to do it that way. And I think the the, the farmers, once they realize hey, I'm using less and less nutrients and spending less money on this product. And, I, yeah, and ultimately it's turning out to be a cleaner product for, for the consumer or the patient, then it's a win-win. I think I'm gonna take a quick dab if you don't mind. You got well, a little jealous do. watching. <laughs> no, please do. Take yours there. <laughs> Uh, did you tell us what you were dabbing on i know you briefly showed us there but i don't think right. you actually said uh yeah this is a string called i-95 actually and uh eh, um, i'm not even sure who made it i just saw it on the label i have some things just stacked away sometimes i don't do the best job of, of cataloging everything about it uh when i come home from a cup or something like that but this uh this was some i-95 uh, very much uh like a kush chem sour uh gassy strain uh it's been around for a little while so it's gotten a little darker than it was when i first got it but uh really tasty very terpy uh you know gassy not always my favorite thing to go to but uh, definitely a good mellow sedation kind of vibe to it. So it's nice. Yeah, I've got a little bit of this. It's a BHO there. Nice. Uh, that a friend gave me some two scoops was the screen it's made of. Pretty indica, a little heavy hit. Mm -hmm. Pretty good. Nice. Pretty good. Cool. So where do you th see uh, things going for yourself in 20, 2021? Yeah, I mean, I think it's along the same lines as, as what's been going on. I'm going to continue doing the magazine. We're just closing our January 2021 issue right now, uh, which is our future issue. Very exciting. Kind of just discussing the future of cannabis, where we're going, more science, more technology, tissue culture, breeding techniques, really becoming refined, and a lot of very interesting new uh, technologies that are happening. So that's that's where we're going with the magazine. We have themes for, for that going through February, March, and, and beyond. I'm going to keep doing the podcast, uh, which has been going great, and hopefully we'll start doing events again. I mean, there's a few events here in the Northeast that are planned for January and February. It's tough to do indoor events in the winter here because it's just 
I mean, outdoor events, I should say, because it's so cold and indoor events aren't allowed. So I think by the, by, by springtime, I think, you know, I'm hoping that things will be better. I think we'll be able to gather in public. I don't think we'll be sharing joints or bongs or anything like that, but I do think that we will be able to get together in ways that we can't right now. And I'm excited for that because we'd love to actually hand people these magazines and actually physically give them to people because they're big and print, you know, people say print is dead or print is this or that. There's no feeling like opening a magazine and seeing something interesting. And, uh, and it's just a very large format. Uh, you know, this is like the size of it, big, bigger than what we worked on with high times and really just, you know, able to, to teach people all about cannabis and, and all the derivatives and stuff. So that's exciting. That's my plan for 2021 basically is keep doing the magazine, keep doing the podcast and basically hold out until we can start doing events and get together. And that's what you, as you mentioned earlier, there's nothing better than sharing cannabis with each other. And you can't quite do it as, as well virtually as you can in person. So, you know, we might have our own joints or our, you know, each one have our own chalices and pass the bowl instead of the, the, the pipe, but we'll find our ways around it and cannabis will help us prevail. Yeah, we had a few good ones here in Michigan this year, small events that I managed to escape to, but I am definitely, definitely looking forward to some bigger uh, events this year in 21. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I've been I love, to I all love kinds that. of events. Is there anything that you would see that would be like out of the norm? I mean, if so, if, I guess my question is if you could put together, you know, your own like dream, like festival, or cup, you know what I mean? What would it be like? What would be, what would, uh, what would it change compared mm. to some of the things that you've been to? Yeah. Well, you know, I've been to probably more cannabis cups than anybody on earth, which they've been, there's been some amazing ones. There's been some that definitely could have used some improvement, but, uh, I've never been to Emerald cup. I've always wanted to go to that. That's, um, definitely on my, on my nugget list. The Hawaii Cannabis Expo in February was amazing. Champs trade shows are amazing. I love social use uh, consumption lounges, uh, such as uh, Vehicle City in Flint. That's a place that you know I, I hold dear to my heart. Uh, it's just a really comfortable, cozy place. They got pool tables, uh, lots of great food and, and entertainment, and you can consume cannabis freely. There's good security, good parking. It's just a wonderful place. I have a brick there, you know, like a Danny Danko brick uh, that's, you know, dedicated there as well that I purchased just because I want to support places like that even when I can't be there. And there's places like that in the Northeast as well, Tetra Hydro Club in Rhode Island, uh, Summit Lounge in Worcester. And those are places that are amazing to me because of the vibe, you know, brings me back to that first coffee shop experience in Amsterdam where, you know, why shouldn't we have a place where we can get together and enjoy cannabis the way that people do with alcohol or cigars or, or anything else. So that to me is, is, is special. 
And so as far as events go, we, we have events under the uh, Leaf Nation name called the Leaf Bowls as well that they've done in the Pacific Northwest. And we're dying to bring that back. I mean, we want to do Leaf Bowls in the Northeast, California, Alaska, and all the regions where we are located as a, as a magazine. So that is my opportunity to give my input on what makes a great event. And I think combination of activism, music, uh, a lot of great vendors, good entertainment, good uh, seminars and panels where people can learn more about cannabis, veterans, panels, seniors, women. We want to be inclusive to all the different communities that consume cannabis because cannabis is inclusive. It's not partisan. It's not, you know, it's not for just for old people or young people. It's for everybody. And that's what you want in, in a cannabis event. You want to bring people together from all walks of life. There's never any violence or any kind of bad situations. It's just a beautiful gathering. And I think you know, lots of place, lots of people have tried it on various different levels. I love Spanibus in Spain. I love High Life Expo in Holland. And, you know, I've been to a bunch all around. And they, they, there's always room for improvement. But anytime people get together, it's a great thing. And they share cannabis. People meet their spouses. People meet business partners. Long-time friendships are made. Children are born. Partnerships are forged. New companies are born. It, it's just, it's how we got to where we are is, is, is people sharing this information at these events and then going home and saying, I, why can't we have one just like that, but right here where we are in Oklahoma or in you know, Texas or wherever we are, why can't it be this way here? And that you know, really lights a fire under people to, to make a change. And so when you go to Chalice or you go to Emerald Cup or you go to Leaf Bowls, you come home with a renewed sense of passion for the plant and for changing the laws and, and making it more legal, more safe and a higher quality and a cheaper price. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I gotta love that bonding that uh, at them events. And again, thank you for helping make be such a big responsibility for having so pushing so many of those events. I've made a lot of those connections. I've made a lot of those friendships at those events. And you know, I've said quite a few times, you know, through this whole thing, you know, we, at one point we may have all kind of pissed and moaned a little bit about the price tag of going to a, one of those events for the weekend but I guarantee almost every one of us right now would be like shh, 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 to go <laughs> yeah you know, I would be I would love the good hangout with the crowd that's for sure it's really priceless what you get you know sometimes maybe the price tag is high, but what you get back is priceless. And, you know, there's also tons of giveaways and things. I mean, you could go to some of these events, you could go for whatever price it's listed and come back with more in free product from all the different booths and giveaways and tosses and things that if you really focus your energy, and I've seen people do this where they've got their, their, you know, nets out or hats out when the things are getting tossed and, you know, you catch enough half grams of shatter, 
<laughs> you know, you walk away with, with a decent amount of product for, you know, beyond the, just the events consumption. And I think that's important. And I think spreading genetics also, I don't mean between people, <laughs> but, but the plant genetics spread between people is really important too. And getting all the strains out there. It's, it's really sad when you hear about a strain that has been lost uh, due to, you know, hoarding or just different incidents that occur. And I think it's really important that as many flavors as we can discover that are new, we need to have those old ones too, as building blocks for genetic material, just to have a, a as great of a gene pool as possible for cannabis, because we're learning more and more about all these different strains and different effects that all these cannabinoids and terpenes and, and flavonoids can have in conjunction with each other. And for the patients, there's no better information than finding out hey, this is the strain that works for me, for my particular ailment or symptom. Yeah, yeah. that's one of the, the things I'm super excited about uh, tissue culture about, you know, and it's actually becoming one of those things to where it could actually be done on a home level or at least the banking of it for sure and you know that is in my opinion that is huge huge you know if if people like myself that aren't in oklahoma i love to pheno hunt i love to pop them seeds if there's a possibility of me taking some tissue and you know, putting it in a little tube and putting it in my refrigerator and keeping a, a refrigerator just full of my strains, that would be pretty awesome to keep moving on. But more importantly, I'm excited about that just for in gen, genetics in general, because I'm hoping that it will keep, uh, in the future, keep some of the cannabis strains that are being put forth now true, and hopefully uh, we can keep uh, some genetics, find some old genetics uh, that are true in the process because we've, there's just so much out there right now and it's too many people back crossing and, you know, making their own crosses and putting them out there as originals. I think, you know, tissue culture would stop a lot of that if they knew <laughs> the breeder had everything, you know, cultured. And there wasn't a, a fear, you know what I mean, of having to back cross it yourself just for sustainability or whatever. You, you know, you, you could just count on the breeder being able to go and buy seeds whenever needed them. He could pull mom and pop out of in vitro, produce seeds, put them back in the tube and, you know, breed on with other projects or whatever. I think it would help keep, uh, keep the the strains from graying out on us right now, they're just moving so quickly. You know, I'm hoping that uh, we can take a little time and just figure out what we got before we move forward, bank everything and then move mm -hmm. forward. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we're coming out of an era of pop, <coughs> excuse me, uh, poly hybridization, like you're talking about where it's just, everything's just blended together and into a kind of a mush and, one of the other things that you can do with tissue culture is also just to clean up a strain that's, you know, been around for a long time and, and developed some systemic issues that are endemic, you know, something like uh, a disease that's within the cellular structure. When you bring it down to a cellular level, 
as far as cloning goes and bring it back out of that you can you can clean that problem out of the strain and i think that's an important thing as well because we've seen some strains that are lost just because not genetic drift but uh just because they've just had diseases that get into the cells and, and never leave and when you can clean that out and have it be fresh that's amazing you can do that with certain pests as well that are imp almost impossible to get rid of but once you've used a sterile laboratory type situation with suspending the the plant in agar you can then bring it back uh and have it be clean and renew and i think that's important as well I do too. I do too. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be very exciting what happens and what cannabis unveils here in the future. You know, both uh, in science and in what the plant itself brings. That's for sure. I think it's gonna push a lot of other fields. It already, I think it already has as far as like uh, plant nutrition and you know stuff like that. Uh, I think it's gonna be help push agriculture in general forward uh kind of greedily kind of sucks that it took something like you know <laughs> you know a cannabis plant to really kill everybody going yay gardening but <laughs> i think it's gonna come i think that uh it, cannabis is gonna issue a lot of uh people putting together their own little herb gardens vegetable gardens and genuinely caring about what the industry is doing in general about, you know, what they're eating and stuff. I think it's going to make a lot of changes for all industries. Yeah, I mean, it certainly did that for me. I mean, I, as you can see, I have like a banana trees. And, and if I move this mic, you can see there's like a little awardian case there with a light. And, you know, I've got orchids and, and African violets in there. I, I never would have had any interest in growing plants like that if I hadn't first gotten interested in cannabis. And so it gave me an understanding of nature, uh, how plants and fungus relate to each other, how plants and humans relate to each other, it really taught me a ton about life on earth. <laughs> you know, this the, the first relationship between two different things on earth was between plants and fungi. And it's still going on today. And it's really interesting to learn more and more about that. And without cannabis sparking that in me, I wouldn't have gone on to, you know, be more interested in all different forms of gardening, sequestering carbon in soil, all these amazing things that you can do, create living soil, no-till gardening. It's, you know, all these things, compost tea brewing. I never would have known anything about them. And I'm so glad that I do. And that all came from my love of cannabis. I agree. I agree. I can't but help but think how many people out there right now, like KNF. I mean, KNF's a perfect example. I there'd be hundreds of thousands of people that may have not even heard of KNF farming or even considered, you know, producing their own nutrients until they got on cannabis and jumped on into a four room or whatever, and they're like, "Wow, this is you know." totally achievable and now i can apply this in other ways it's opening up a lot of minds and that like i said not just for cannabis it's 
it's opening up minds in so many other ways. It's it's pretty awesome. It's a great time that uh, it's leading us through for sure. Yeah, absolutely. A great documentary on, uh, I believe it's on Netflix called uh, Kiss the Ground. And it's all about how, how to solve uh, climate change with sequestering carbon in soil. And it really goes a long way to making, I think people understand that you can do this. We can actually solve this problem. And it's not just by turning down the lights or using less energy. It's about actually taking carbon and putting it into soil and it's what our planet does naturally but we've disrupted and i think we can bring it back this whole idea of factory farming only started 50 or 60 years ago this was a post-world war ii idea this wasn't something that happened prior to the development of nutrient salts which happened after world war ii and so natural ways or organic all these things that we think are you know knf and brune compost these these are things that people have been doing for for thousands of years and we only recently stopped and now we're realizing the folly of the simple solution you know the the salts that that wash into this the the sea or the that you just have to keep pouring more and more newts and pesticides and things on these plants because they're not in a living soil once you switch to a living soil and you realize that that's the way, not only is it more affordable, but it's better for the environment and the earth and more sustainable. And I think, again, it's a win-win and we just need to let more people know. And I, that documentary in particular really lays it out pretty simply of, you know, this is really our only solution. It's not, we're going to keep flying in planes. We're going to keep driving cars. We're going to keep using carbon but if we sequester carbon in soil we can really pack a ton of it in there and it all just has to do with creating more agricultural land and, and keeping it alive yeah i definitely think that uh it cannabis is going to help uh, usher in that kind of awareness right there for surely already has i mean just in organics alone uh, we talked about uh, that people composting, you know, and that's the biggest uh, thing I see, you know, as cannabis, I talk to growers and they go down the organics road is, you know, lessening that footprint through, you know, composting and uh, things that they can do around the house. So it's, and again, that's just one step and it's just a door opening up of many, many doors on uh, how we should be better stewards for the earth. I think uh, it's in this great time of need, this time of uh, where, where we're all being tested, you know, with this COVID, I don't think it's any, any coincidence that cannabis is running in the forefront and has been deemed essential because this lady has been teaching us uh, for generations. And I think she's been ushered to the forefront to, uh, help usher us into a wiser uh, next phase of life for humanity, for sure. Yeah, yeah, and I think you're talking about Mother Earth, but I also thought of Elaine Ingram <laughs> as well, because she's been teaching me uh, about these methods. And, you know, it's people like that, Jeff Lowenfeld's uh, books like um, that, that they wrote about microbes and, and bacteria that really gave me an understanding that 
you know, because I mean, I, I grew in Rockwell when I started with, you know, GH three part, you know, Lucas formula because it worked and it was something that was simple and effective. But looking back now, I mean, gosh, I wish I had known then what I know now because I would not have done that. <laughs> you know, it just wouldn't be something that I thought was appropriate for cannabis indoors. And, and you know, I wish I could have, I could go back now and tell my, my young self, hey, you know, research these things, do some, some uh, research just on living soil and on the relationship between uh, fungal uh, mycelium and plant roots and that interchange that they have between each other and how they benefit each other and help and beneficial insects instead of uh, insecticides and all the just the cleaner ways to grow this plant that results in a better product ultimately that's the thing it's not it's not just about saving the earth or, or any or saving money it's about making better cannabis you know it's about the essential oils the trichomes and you know filling those glands up with the essential oil that you want and i want <laughs> I definitely enjoy that oil myself. I definitely enjoy that oil. For sure. You know, I couldn't help but think that, uh, you know, how many of these people, like you say, you know, Jeff Lowenfels and Elaine Ingram and stuff that, you know, are geniuses in the, in their, their field there before, you know, the cannabis wave, but now that are because of the cannabis are like, you know, basically kind of rock stars <laughs> you know and what we're doing that they never seen coming now they're like yay cannabis i never seen this coming i was maybe at one point in my life eh, but now yay <laughs> now that you've kind of made me a rock star in your world uh hell yeah cannabis <laughs> yeah well you know teaming with microbes really changed uh, my philosophy in many ways on how to grow uh, re reading Paul Stamets as well on, you know, mushroom and, and my, uh, mycology. It, it's just, it's about understanding how the earth works, you know, and, and trying to recreate that as closely as possible because there's no extra inputs when a tree die, you know, when the leaves fall and, and they naturally compost in the earth and bring that nitrogen and carbon and everything right back to those roots and the mycelial strands help to break it down in exchange for things that they get from the roots and sugars and there's just there's a process going on and we just got to stay out of it in some cases you know just let it let it play itself out in the natural way that it does and the more you do that i think the better the product the cheaper the product and the cleaner Or any family farms in chat would like to know your thoughts on more states becoming uh, a board on board with uh, mushrooms. Is that uh, something you're excited to see? Of course, yeah. I mean, I think that's super duper important. And I think uh, the research needs to be done on uh, psilocybin and other psychedelics in terms of post-traumatic stress and depression, head, brain injuries, uh, alcoholism, drug addictions, there's so many things, even couples therapy or, you know, just so many things that 
these substances are here to teach us if we could only just listen. And I think outlawing them really stands in the way of science and research and humanity. And I'm all for it, <laughs> you know, 100% full on. I think, you know, we need to free up those substances. I don't think that's for everybody. I don't think, you know, that we should just be forcing <laughs> that mushrooms down people's throats. But I do think that, uh, that the research has to happen and that certainly throwing people in jail for creating these products or distributing these products is such a travesty and a tragedy and something you can't reverse. You can't give people time back in their lives. So every, every person you throw into a prison that's a nonviolent you know, mushroom grower, <laughs> which just sounds crazy, is, is, is just such a negative thing to do to the planet, to humanity. And so we need to free up these substances. People have been using these things for thousands and thousands of years throughout our existence and outlawing them only puts them into the hands of criminals and creates criminals out of people that aren't criminals. So the whole thing is just outrageous. And I think, you know, we really need to rethink prohibition of every substance. You know, I think there's a place for everything in this, in this world and criminalizing substances never works. It never has, and it never will. I agree. I agree. You know, it's again, it's nice to see that uh, Michigan's became slightly on board, not the whole state, but at least Ann Arbor jumped on that uh, legalization there for uh, research. And so we're making small strides. I, I do agree that it's something that uh, could greatly be utilized by a lot of people. You know, why not take something natural? versus something that's a, a pharmaceutical cure. You know, it's just, I've seen it firsthand how, you know, especially uh, going down the road of, you know, psychiatric help there, you know, what some of them drugs could do for people. And, you know, before they could actually find uh, some kind of even keel, that up and down can be just brutal before they can find some stability. And it could be many, uh, many different medi uh, pharmaceutical changes there along the way. Oh, this one isn't right. We'll try this one, you know. And it could be a long journey before they find that. So, and it, it's something that could be easily solved some, in some cases with one or two uh, sessions with uh, some guided mushrooms there. And it could be one and done and, you know, go about your life and do it sad to see that the you know they want to just push poison still in this day and age to be you know instead of being more open-minded about simple cures yeah yeah i mean these plants are here for a reason they're they're what no matter what you believe uh religiously or about the universe or whatever they 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 formed on this planet and they have these effects for some type of reason, whether it be to enlighten us, to uh, intoxicate us, to make us think about things differently, to amuse us, whatever it might be, you know, to ease our pain. They're here for us. Plant medicine is the future. 
it's the past and the future. We have this one weird time that we live in where everyone thought chemicals and, and things were the solution. And we're coming to terms with the fact that you can't spray your way out of this. You can't pill your way out of this. You have to go back to the earth and you have to listen to what these plants and fungi are trying to tell us. And they're, they're here for a reason. We have receptors in our bodies for cannabinoids for a reason. We have the, the, uh, these mushrooms or these substances do these things to our brain for a reason. And I think personally, as Paul Stamets does, that they have an evolutionary role to play. I mean that human beings actually evolved by using these substances and our brains and our ability to create new things is partly due to psychedelics in natural forms. And I don't think that's very far-fetched. <laughs> I think it's pretty obvious. And I think there's a lot of people, Terrence McKenna included, and a lot of other researchers that have found the same thing, or at least, you know, had that as a thesis. And it, it, my favorite comedian, Bill Hicks, you know, he, he passed away years ago, but he really tells it like it is in a very funny manner, but he tells you these mushrooms are here to help us to evolve and criminalizing them slows our evolution. And then we wind up in a place like we are now with people fighting each other and war and, and all the issues that could be resolved if people just listened to these plants and fungi. You know, that's what the things, uh, the funny things that I've seen about mushrooms there is uh, the people I've seen that have went like super heavy into like mushrooms. That the only side effect that I've really seen per se is like they became over emotional <laughs> uh, in the long run, you know, basically, you know, they just, became uh empathetic you know to people's yeah. problems you know well I mean? what's over wrong with that i mean we call it over but maybe it's because we're suppressing those emotions so much and that's really where we're meant to be you know what i mean it's like we call it over emotional but maybe over emotional is where we should be you know i feel like you know there's a, there's a healthy balance there I don't think you should be taking mushrooms every day unless you're microdosing in tiny levels. I don't think you should be taking LSD or any of these things, ayahuasca. These, these aren't party drugs. They are a way to get inside and understand things in a different way. And they're not for everybody. I mean, people that are schizophrenic or something like that should certainly should be cautioned to avoid the things like this, depending on the situation. And, but their benefits far outweigh the harms and the harm of prohibition far outweighs even the harm of losing your mind. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like getting thrown in jail, getting separated from your family, not being able to live your life on the terms that you want to live it is a, a fate worse than death in some cases. And I just think there's so many injustices and so, these raids that they have. I mean, our founding fathers would roll over in their graves if they knew 
that there were police that could just enter your home and search it for plant material. I mean, they would, they would rebel against that. They would boggle their minds. They created this country to avoid that. They did not want people, you know, anybody being able to come into your castle. You know, this is why we abolished royalty and all these things. We don't, this, your home is your castle and we don't want people coming in, storming in with, with grenades and, and sh- shock bang this and guns pointed and screaming and yelling and scaring children and pets. That's outrageous over a plant, over anything. I mean, unless so you committed a violent act, I mean, that's who I want arrested. That's who I want, you know, that's who, that's who belongs in jail is people who wish to do us harm or steal from us, not people who are creating plants or buying and selling, you know, these allegedly illicit substances. So to me, that's, you know, that's what activated me politically when it came to cannabis was reading Jack Herrer, traveling and seeing places like Amsterdam, meeting people like Dennis Perone and, and just learning about this culture and how we were so suppressed and not for that long. That's the other thing. This propaganda has only been going on for a little while. You know, our parents and their parents were subject to this, but our great grandparents used cannabis as medicine. (laughs) So it is weird that like, you know, we view it as in this way that like, oh, we got to legalize it's, you know, this product that's been illegal for so long. It's really hasn't. It's, we're talking about the thirties, the end of alcohol prohibition. They needed a new enemy, all these different factors, including racism and all kinds of other things came to pass and they got their new enemy. They got their new agencies to attack it and they went full bore with it. And that's how we got all the petrochemicals and everything to replace what we had naturally in the past. Sarah, I'm doing a podcast real quick. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I definitely agree. You know, it's it's one of those things. I just think that uh, we're just a little bit more time, and uh, we'll come to the proper understanding that uh, you know, it's just the plants that we're talking about here. We're not creating. You know, I think at one point you called it alchemy, but is it real? In a way, I guess it could be. But basically, coming right from the earth, we're doing nothing but Mother Nature, what Mother Nature's put here at our own hands. It's not like we're, you know, doing anything. Uh, you're not even, most cases, we're not even changing it in any way. We're just pulling it up and consuming it. How is that that wrong? Uh, any more, any more wrong? He froze up on me, Eagle. Are you there? Hello? You froze up on me. I'm going to mute and stick around.
the host now. Well, thank goodness that uh, you held out there. <laughs> I'm here. You froze up on me there for a second, <laughs> but I'm here. Uh, and uh, I think we were just talking about, <laughs> we were talking about the plant, uh, you know, kind of just staying out of the way and, and letting it grow. And I think you're right. I mean, the whole idea of growing it inside all came out of prohibition. The plant should be in the sunshine that's where it belongs and that's where it thrives and what we tried to do indoors is recreate that but there's really no reason to do that we did that only because of prohibition we, ha we had to hide so the indoor plants had to go you know we had to hide plants indoors outdoor plants had to be hidden uh, from sight and therefore got less sunshine because they couldn't be in full sun but when you see a cannabis plant that's grown in full sunshine with the proper soil and nutrients you see a plant that's thriving like i mentioned back in in hawaii you know when you have all the everything's perfect uh you just you get a plant that's happy and that plant happy plant is going to make you happy later on when you consume it and i think that's the important thing to remember that it's a healing flower i'm sick of people talking about a drug or a narcotic or all these other we're talking about a medicine, it's healing. And even if you don't think you're using it medically, chances are you are because it makes you feel better or makes you enjoy something better. And ultimately that's improving our lives. And so grow the, the best cannabis you can and you'll feel the best you can as well. It's kind of funny you say that, you know, I think that one of the most medicinal aspects of cannabis is just cultivating itself. And how, how in the hell can that be wrong? <laughs> Seriously, how can they govern, you know, the medicinal effect or even measure that, you know, because it does, and I, I know for a fact, not only for myself, but almost every grower that I talk to amidst to having that same feeling. You know, they could be having an off day, an off moment, or whatever, but as soon as you step into that room and hang out with your, those plants for a minute, look over them leaves, brush your hands across them, whatever, it instantly fades anxiety of whatever moment that's kind of getting to you, you know, I, how can they take that away? That in itself is very municipal in my opinion, you know? If, yeah. I, if it's I tell people, and it takes away your problems. I tell people all be? the time, that, you know, if you're a medical patient, uh, there's no better feeling than creating your own medicine. And that's what you're doing when you're growing cannabis as a, as a patient, you're creating your own medicine. So, have fun doing it. It's a blast. You know, it's very enjoyable. Like you said, it's a wonderful, calming, relaxing pastime. And for years, we had to do it 
scared and paranoid and worried about being busted or being robbed or being caught or you know and it developed in us this distrust of people and a real antisocial kind of feeling and i think it's important we gain back our the enjoyment and and, and let that go shake off the paranoia and shake off the fear that we had uh i know it it, it changed me growing cannabis at, at, in my youth changed my personality in some ways and and i think it's important that we regain that and that people that grow in the future aren't the next generation of cannabis cultivators don't have to live with that fear and that stigma and that paranoia that we had year for years and years of you know hey i really enjoy this this fulfills me and yet at the same time this could jeopardize my freedom or end my life uh, in some cases and i you know i i uh for all the problems of legalization for all the overregulation and the taxes and the bs and the hoops we have to jump through and you know the forms we have to fill out and all of it it's it's still better than going to jail <laughs> you know what i mean it's still better than living with that fear not being able to get a, a, a organ transplant not being able to be honest with people that you love about what you do all of those things really weigh on us as peaceful cannabis people and all that has to end and if it takes a little extra taxes or regulation to end it that's great i think it, we're in a temporary time right now where we're making all these baby steps forward and i think ultimately we'll get to a place where you'll be able to purchase cannabis at a farmer's market or you'll be able to grow your own or you'll be able to go to a dispensary you'll have all those different options and no one will be in jail for a nonviolent uh, cannabis crime and no one will have that on their record won't be able to vote won't be able to participate in society because of it and that's really the ultimate goal for me you know it's just to free this plant not to make a name or or a career or anything else it's always been about the plant it's never been about the people although there's plenty of people i admire and appreciate and enjoy my mentors my colleagues my friends all the amazing people that i've met uh we all work for the plant we are all in service to the plant and anything we can do to get more people on our side and to allow people to understand how special and important this plant is to us and can be to others that's really it you know it's just something aside from friends and family it's something i dedicate my life to but not for personal you know uh accolades or awards or or even you know it's nice to make a living it's nice to have sponsorships it's nice to to do that but it's really just about spreading the word and we do it in the name of people who've already passed like jack herrer brownie mary todd mccaria dr luster grinspoon sub cool you know just an amazing long list of mentors that i have that i appreciate and look up to that fought hard even when we didn't see an end in sight and you know that's the message we we put out and that's the that's what we want that's what i want the next generation once we're you and i and everyone of of our generation is gone there's still going to be people on this earth 
who are going to be fighting about this plant. And we want them to know not only does this plant deserve to be free, but it can help us. It's got something to teach us. And we need to embrace that. And we need to allow that and, and absorb that. And the people who are fighting against it are wrong. And their parties are lame. <laughs> and their get-togethers are awful. And ours are wonderful and filled with love and friendship and creativity and togetherness. The plant brings us together and it can bring all of us together if we just allow it to. So well said, it's hard to say anything on top of that. <laughs> so very, very well said, uh, that's for sure. Uh, I hope that uh, it does come to fruition to where we can just live our lives and have cannabis and us be free as one. We're coming there. We're coming there for sure. Yeah. Yeah, You know, uh, the arc is long, but it bends towards justice, as Martin Luther King said, the arc of the moral universe. And we're we're not, you know, civil rights pioneers, but we are freedom fighters and we're fighting for the freedom of the plant and for the people of the plant who are also locked up you know and that's 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 the goal free the prisoners expunge the records expand social use allow home grow and let the plant teach us what it's what it wants to teach us without standing in the way it still has a lot to teach us i think I think it still has a lot to teach. It's taught us a lot, but I think we've still got a long way to go. Indeed. So, uh, with the with that being said, what would you be your overall message be for the community? What would you like to see uh, the community do in twenty twenty one? Uh, well, I'd like to see the MORE Act pass. Uh, I'd like to see banking for cannabis businesses. It's really holding us back. I'd like to see the social media companies stop banning our activity, stop uh, shutting us down, Facebooks and Instagram. It's just a lot of these people are operating in legal states and promoting products that are legal. And their policies are so outdated to basically just be like, oh, this is drugs and it's wrong. And we're against, it's against our policy. It's like times have changed and they need to adapt to those times. If anybody can adapt, it's, you know, social media companies. <laughs> you know what I mean? These are, these are people that are, that can pivot, you know, that's as they say, you know, into a new paradigm, <laughs> whatever the buzzword might be. But the point is they need to adapt and start allowing us to do our jobs on their platforms without interference. That's it's crazy. And I think we need to just listen to the plants, not just cannabis, but, and not even just plants, but the plants, the fungi, um, the soil, the earth, you know, just listen a little more. And I think, you know, social use is going to be an important thing in the future. We need to be able to get together and consume cannabis when all said and done. And uh, yeah, I mean, I guess just more and more states need to come on board. We need federal changes. We need global changes so we can do international uh, commerce in cannabis as well. 
and ultimately just free the flower. You know, it's really up to us. And the other thing I would say for each individual person, you don't necessarily have to write your congressman or, you know, go to a rally, vote with your pocketbook, buy the cannabis you want to buy, buy the clean cannabis that's lab tested, buy the stuff that's grown locally in a manner that you appreciate, buy the, buy the ones that make you feel best. You know, don't, you're, you're, you're no longer at the mercy of whatever you can find. At this point, in many places, you can find a, a, a great product. And I would say, purchase that product, understanding that every purchase you make either points us in the right direction or sets us back. And it's really up to you. I'm a connoisseur. I'm an aficionado. I like great flowers and I love great concentrates. And I'm willing to pay the extra, uh, a little extra or create it myself or whatever needs to happen for me to get that in my hands. And, you know, that's really, that's where I would go with that. You know, we're no longer at the, at the mercy of whoever we're getting it from. And we have choices and options and which choices you make and which options you choose are going to determine where we go in the future as an industry, as a community, as a culture. Again, very well spoken, very well spoken. They say in chat, the force is strong in Danny. I'd have to agree. I would have to agree. Okay. You have you definitely have a, a strong passion for this plant. And, uh, I can't believe that uh, some of the stuff that uh, you've been through, through this plant has taken you through, through all the years, and you're still so very passionate about it. I mean, you as I sit here and talk to you, you're as passionate as some of the day one or first round gardeners I speak with. And that's pretty awesome to see that years into it, through the ups and downs uh, that you're still very, very passionate about this plant, for sure. It's very encouraging. I find it to be very encouraging. I like to think I'm only, you know, midway through, mid-lull through my cannabis journey. And uh, it's nice to see that uh, there's people like yourself that have such fire all the way through. It gives me a lot of hope in my journey, for sure. I appreciate that. You know, it's brought me great joy. I, you know, I just, I'm in service to the plant as we all are. And I think uh, it's, again, it's brought me great joy. It's, it's introduced me to amazing people all over the world. It's brought me a greater understanding of how nature works, how the planet, how our universe is, what we are here for even, you know, just it's improved every aspect of my life. And as I mentioned, there were times when I had to make decisions to continue along this route, even knowing that it may lead to jail, you know, or death or some, or, or, you know, bad things and, and making, having made those decisions back then and knowing now that those were the right decisions, I don't want anyone else to have to go through that myself or anyone else to have to ch have to choose between their freedom and this plant. 
it's just it's not a choice anybody should have to make and i would put that on other plants and, and substance substances as well i think uh we've learned the lesson from alcohol prohibition we've learned the lesson from what's happened with you know the cartels and, and all of these organizations that have built up around the idea that these substances are illegal and therefore tax-free and a way to make money and create more evil and violence and things like that whereas that's not what these plants are about you know these again these plants are here to help us and all we have to do is get out of the way stop demonizing them and listen and we can be more free we can be more safe and we can live longer lives that are more enjoyable and you know that's it you know, it's just <laughs> it sounds simple but you know we we've uh we've gotten so far away from that that it makes it it sounds difficult when you look at it that way but we're, we'll get there and it's just important to get there as soon as possible, in my opinion. Less and less suffering and, and injustice. I definitely think we're, we're getting there, for sure. For sure. Uh, well, we're coming up on the two-hour mark. Uh, how are you hanging in there, my friend? How are you hanging in there? I'm good. I'm good. I mean, you know, I, I got to get going pretty soon, start the weekend. Uh, but... I'm I'm good. <laughs> I'm enjoying it. And I can talk about this plant forever. So yeah. Gonna take a dab and cheers to you, my friend, because you know, you're the one of the few people I have tons of respect for you. That's why I've come out of my time zone there. But now now that uh, that I've come out of my comfort zone and done this afternoon episode, you know what comes next for me, don't you? Is I get a wave of the like the next fifty people going, Well, why can't I come on in the afternoon? <laughs> I is is what I get after after the Danny Daco episodes. I got that the last time. Uh, after scheduling, I was like, well, you know, they'd be like, what time's the show? I'd be like, 11.30. They'd be like, well, you just did one. I'm like, yeah, well, that was Danny Danko. <laughs> How often do you get Danny Danko to come on your show? And so, But nonetheless, I, I can already feel the, why can't I come on at 4.30s for the next few requests? <laughs> <laughs> so this is cheers to you in the, the afternoon episode, Mr. Danny Dago. Appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks for having me. And, you know, it's just, again, I, I can sense your passion and love for the plant. And so it makes me realize that, like, you know, anytime I can help spread the word, it's a good thing. And so I just want to keep that going. It is a good thing. And you have been, been crazy passionate about it. And, uh, well, as far as the holiday things going, uh, if you have some time to pop in, I believe we're doing another uh, holiday episode here on the channel. If you'd like to pop in, 
nowadays I uh, keep the Zoom number the same. So <coughs> definitely keep the Zoom number aside. <laughs> Anytime that there's any kind of rabbit holes or anything going on, or you see a guest that you'd like to interact with, uh, the Zoom number is all the same. You don't need an invitation. You just the want to pop in. But uh, I think uh, <coughs> Christmas will be doing another similar to the Thanksgiving episode there where uh, we'll probably do the third the third 24-hour special of this year for uh, for Christmas. So if you get some time, maybe on the holiday, Christmas, uh, it'd be honored if you could pop on and say Merry Christmas and do a dab and say hello to everybody. That'd be awful cool. Uh, so- I know... <laughs> We we did the 420 uh, episode there, and then uh, I don't know what came over me at Thanksgiving, but Thanksgiving, like the evening before Thanksgiving, I was like, I'm just going to go live again for 24, and uh, it was pretty awesome, man. It was probably the best Thanksgiving I can remember in a long, long time as far as the good Mandy going People came and went all day long. You know, again, there was like zero planning into this. This way went down in like eight hours. And it went off without a hitch, man. People came and gone. I opened it up part of the day to, uh, I actually just threw the Zoom number out there in the description of the show. So anybody that tuned in and wanted to come on and say, you know, Happy Thanksgiving or whatever came on, and it was a pretty good time. So we're looking to do that pretty much again for Christmas. Uh, open like two, two-thirds of the day just kind of for past guests who want to pop in and say Merry Christmas and hang out, and then a third of the day open it up to anybody that wants to come on and say hello. But it worked out pretty good, so we think we're going to do it again for Christmas. It really worked out for um, myself and a lot of other people that couldn't go anywhere because of the time and whatnot and was just locked home by themselves. But it really, it felt like a, a home, like a big family Thanksgiving there. You know what I mean? It just, it felt like a huge family. I'm hoping to do it again uh, for Christmas there. So hopefully you can pop in at least say hello for that. Cool, yeah, just keep me posted. I'm I'm always available and uh, I'm around. 11.30 is a little tough unless I plan for it, but uh, yeah, just keep me posted. I'm always psyched and, you know, I love coming on your show and I, you know, I love what you're doing. I think it's really special and important and, you know, just spreading the word and creating a community uh, and around uh, growing and around cannabis is really important, you know, and a lot of people are out there on their own right now, and and it, it it's vital to maintain the mycelial strands that connect us, and uh, it's shows like this that that help to do that, especially in a time like this, as cliche as that sounds. But uh, keep it up, and I'd love to to come back anytime. Just keep me posted, and you know, keep up the great work. Man, coming from somebody whom I respect as much as I do in the cannabis industry. That is probably one of the biggest compliments I've ever gotten. 
and I can't tell you the spring it will have in my step today to hear those words. So thank you very much, Danny, for uh, coming on and giving me that compliment because, again, it's going to put do nothing but put more fuel in my step to uh, keep doing this. And, uh, and it helps that, you know, and it helped not only, not only will it help now, but it helped then when you came on the show the last time, because as I reached out to other guests and they looked at the catalog of back guests, I know I heard it from more than one person who came straight out of their mouth. They said, well, if Danny Danko can fucking do the show, well, then what, you know, it's an honor and almost intimidating to fall into that shadow. So yeah, I'd love to do that show. So thank you for saying those nice words and thank you for coming on and helping giving the show some credibility. Uh, it is a huge honor for me and the community as well. Thank you very much. Much respect to you, sir. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me and keep me posted on future opportunities to talk to the people. Love it. Thank you. Um, I will. With that being said, uh, we're pretty much coming up on that two hour mark. I am going to kind of call it at this point. I got to be back tonight at 1130 for the next episode, you know, we're actually, you know, the at 271, Mr. Danko, but uh, that does not include the point fives. The point fives are the rabbit holes that are like in betweens. And with the rabbit holes, the point fives, I'm almost on approaching 500 episodes since March. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> That is amazing because, uh, yeah, I know how hard it is to, to put a show together and to fill time and to have something to talk about and have guests and planning. And it's not easy. So, you know, that's amazing, quite an accomplishment and will reverberate throughout history long after all, we're gone and all is said and done. And sometimes we don't quite understand how special or important that is, but it if you just reach one person, it's amazing, but you're reaching many people and it, it it's life-changing and life-improving and it's important, has a lasting impact. And it's like ripples in a pond. Sometimes you just throw in the pebble and you don't know how far those ripples go, but they go way farther than you ever imagined. And, you know, like I said, just keep it up and uh, let me know how I can be of service and help you and uh, help us to help the plant and help people with the plant medicine. Same thing to you, my friend. If there's anything I can do to repay the favor, consider it done, my friend. Uh, one more thing on the way out. I think you know what I'm asking for. The chat's already asking for it. Can you give me the sound bite for the day? I would appreciate it. The sound bite for the day. Hmm. Just anything? <laughs> well, basically, well, yeah, if you want, but basically what we're looking for is, hey, this is Danny Danko, and I'm on fucking talking shit with Eagle, episode 271. You can do with it whatever you want. Please make right. it your own. But that's what we're looking for. Hey, this is Danny Danko. 
I am so proud to be on episode number 271 of fucking talking shit with Eagle and love cannabis, spread the word. Uh, My podcast is Grow Bud Yourself. My magazine is Northeast Leaf and my book is Cannabis, A Beginner's Guide to Growing Marijuana. Check it out. Uh, Love the plant and the plant will love you back. Peace. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. And uh, I can't thank you enough for your time. And I look forward to the next time we can do this again. You have an amazing weekend and be safe, my friend. Be safe. Sounds good. Thank you, Eagle. And I'll see you on the holidays. Have a good one. Danny Danko, guys, be sure to check out his podcast every Friday. Go bud yourself. And look for every great thing he does. And hopefully we can check him out uh, for a minute or two on Christmas. But that does it for our early episode of fucking talking shit with Eagle. You guys have an amazing day. And we will see you tonight at 1130. Uh, Do something nice for somebody. Random acts of kindness. Do save lives. I am out of here. Thank you.